3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I've been one to make friends that's trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach, call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes I look at the action. And all I can say is, are you kidding me? For example, today, when the NASDAQ roared at the opening for rolling over as the Dow and the s surged, at least until the whole market then rolled over at the end of the session, Dow ultimately gaining just 17 points. S&P actually dipping point 2 percent, NASDAQ lost 1.26 percent. I said to myself, this session made no sense at all fundamentally, but technically it will have impact. For weeks on end, we've watched the Nasdaq vastly outperform the more old-fashioned, venerable Dow Jones Industrial Average. And because people like to cook up reasons to explain everything, even when there's no good explanation, we heard a host of arguments about why the tech-heavy Nasdaq has been so strong. For instance, we heard that as long as inflation reigns, the big Nasdaq titans would keep going higher and higher because they don't need to worry about supply chain problems or rising raw costs. True. I mean, Salesforce.com doesn't buy a lot of metal. Microsoft Office isn't getting stuck in the ports. And Adobe will be ready and available for the holidays. We heard that these tech stocks are immune to COVID. That they're what you buy if you think the pandemic's getting out of control again. Then we heard that they're all having magnificent quarters because every business out there wants to digitize and automate thanks to the labor shortage. People nod when they hear these arguments. And I've made some of them. Well, because why? Because they sound like they make a lot of sense. And there's a foundation of truth underneath each one. The tech titans really don't need to worry about the supply chain crisis. They are immune to COVID. They do benefit from the labor shortage. But that's not necessarily why the stocks were outperforming on a daily basis. So when you come in on a day like today where the NASDAQ spikes huge, bad sign always, then reverses a lot of parabolic charts, all you, you gotta question all this conventional wisdom. I mean, okay, so for instance, did earnings suddenly go south for the big tech behemoths? Did people stop digitizing? Are there fewer COVID worries than last week? Of course not. In fact, the COVID worries have only gotten worse. And with the exception of the cheaper oil and some slight uh, easy import congestion, there's no reason to think that the supply chain can explain tech's recent outperformance. How do we explain today's reversal, then? That's what matters, because we're trying to think forward, right? Simple. The gap between the Nasdaq haves and the S&P 500 have-nots had have finally become so untenable this morning that money managers, well, at least some big ones, decided they had to take profits in tech after a fabulous run-up and swap into something else. No, well, they're just being disciplined, people. When you get huge gains, you know what you're supposed to do. Bulls make money. Bears make money. Hogs, they get slaughtered. So you've got to ring the register on some. Once again, I heard all sorts of alibis for today's action, like the selection of Fed Chief Jay Powell for another term, which is supposed to be good for the banks and the industrials. You want to own the banks as long as Powell's in charge. At least that's how this line of argument goes. But the more I thought about it today, the more I realized, wait a second. That's nonsense, too. Powell's been in charge this whole time. His renomination nomination wasn't a surprise. And the other contender, Lyle Brainerd, who got the vice chair nomination, would have been just as committed to loose monetary policy. It was almost like she was created for a horse race. I mean, honestly, she's really smart. He's really smart. They share the same ideology. We should not be thinking that it would be that different. Today's action is not about anything logical or newsworthy. In fact, it's really about the rest of the market playing catch up to tech for the floor fell out from the whole thing near the end of the session. If I'm right, this move will not, though, be a one day wonder, even as it seemed to peter out near the close. There will be more Dow and S&P stocks catching bids because the analysts who like these names tomorrow will come out of their caves. They'll now think the coast is clear. I think the Dow and S&P winners from earlier today around noon will be the horses again, if you want to do the horse race analogy to bet on between now, say, and uh, the next week or two. Now, you might be tempted to buy the Nasdaq stocks, betting if they're going to come roaring back right now, even after the charts went from great to horrendous, which is what happened when you have a spike up. But I'd rather find companies that did well in earnings season and got trampled on unjustly in the last few weeks because they weren't part of the Nasdaq stampede. That way you can fall back on the fundamentals. They'll still matter and buy more if they end up going lower because they'll be getting cheaper and they're not done going up if it comes to earnings. Now, regular viewers know that I run the CNBC Investing Club, and I'm totally exclusive to CNBC now. And as part of that club, I have a recommend list. I also tell you about stocks I want to buy if they come down in price. For example, on Friday, I told club members you would have gotten this bulletin that we were buying Morgan Stanley for the charitable trust. To me, this company has done everything right during this period. But because of the inane rotation out of the financials, the stock's been crushed. Now, get this. Morgan Stanley sells for just 12 times earnings. Most of the NASDAQ stocks I look at sell at least 30 times earnings. This is a 12 times earnings, which is a pittance versus that high fly NASDAQ cohort that had been running until today. If Morgan Stanley stock keeps coming down, I'm confident that I'll keep telling club members to buy it because it's so darn cheap. Hey, how about this one, Centene? You know, this has been my favorite health insurer for ages. It's run by the great Michael Nider. If we have more every quarter, Centene mostly manages government run health plans, so they'll benefit enormously from any expansion of Medicare or Medicaid. And those are two things that the Biden administration is actively pushing for. Admittedly, the stock's only down a few bucks from its high, but what I care about, again, is the ultra-low price-to-earnings multiple. Remember, that's the real fundament of stocks. Centene sells for just 14 times earnings, even though it's buying back stock, hand fist, and it's a very good growth rate. Nydorf is a steady hand, and his recent acquisitions are working out splendidly. Now, here's a real odd one. I, I, when I hit it up, I couldn't believe it myself. Johnson Johnson. After delivering an amazing quarter, and there was no one who disagreed with that, J&J decided to break up into fast-growing pharma and bountiful consumer packaged goods companies. While the stock initially spiked up gigantically in it's very good news, it since come straight down. But that's not anything having to do with J&J. That's part of this vicious rotation I'm talking about. The one out-of-solid Dow stocks like J&J into anything related to semiconductors to the cloud. But we don't have a spike in interest rates, which makes J&J's 2.7% yield Pretty enticing, especially because it's got such a great balance sheet. This breakup happens to be CEO Alex Gorsky's last major move at the job. So to anyone who's selling the stock here, will you please ask yourself, if you trusted Gorski this far, how can you not trust him all the way? As I see it, the uh, spinoff consumer products company, think Band-Aids, Neutrogena, Listerine, Tylenol, that'll be a consolidator in the industry. More important, the pure play drug business that will be left will be the fastest growing big pharma company in the universe. It It should become an instant market darling. Its valuation has been held back by the consumer products division that's being spun off. Which is why J and J, despite its incredible balance, sheet, its incredible growth, it's great management, sells for just 16 times earnings. I mean, 12? 14, 16. What else? Lately, Omnichannel's finally getting its due as people realize the importance of e-commerce, right? You see that Macy's last week? But you know what makes e-commerce possible? It's the freight companies like United Parcel. Now, here's an investing club name that has just delivered, it delivered a universally acclaimed quarter, okay? One that helped send the stock from 180 to, a new, uh, to 210. Uh, but, you know, it, it one time was up at 220. It's pulled back, and I think it's the right level. Remember, CEO Carol Tomei has promised us a good holiday quarter, and I think she's more than earned the benefit of the doubt. With the rails worrying, I think that UPS is now going to catch fire, a fire that burns for days, if not weeks, right into the Christmas holiday. Now, you might be asking, why not recommend some of the stocks that are really being shelled, like the payments companies that you know I like or some of the travel and leisure names? Now, there are plenty of them that do make sense. But honestly, see, I'm not trying to make the hard money. I want what I call the easier money. The easier money means that these companies already beat the earnings estimates. They already raised their forecasts, yet they still saw their stocks get obliterated. Consider it the safe way to play a rotation because we know how these companies are doing. Bottom line, at a time like this, you want to circle the wagons around companies that reported great numbers but have weaker stocks. That's how you play a rotation that's clearly based on forgotten stocks with unforgettably positive stories like Morgan Stanley, Centene, J&J, and UPS. Let's go to Sam in Colorado. Sam.
0: Jim, I'm actually calling today for the beautiful Lord Marion. Before I begin, I've got to let you know to get rid of that Wentz jersey and replace it with a new Jalen Hurts jersey. Let's well, I'll tell you,
3: I, I'll do you one better. I will replace it with a new Hurts jersey. <laughs> You're the New Jalen Hurts. Let's go. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, and my, by the way, I got a, I got a Smith jersey, too. Number six. Thank you to the Philadelphia Eagles. So anyway, I, I'm on the bandwagon. I got the tickets to Los Angeles. I already
4: booked my hotel room. Go ahead. There you go. It was a great thing to say. Anyway, uh, my question is about Generac. Uh, Stocks received to be about $100 off of where it was before earnings. A uh, company made a series of acquisitions that seemed to apply that the company's moving in the direction of home, solar and storage. And with our grid in the shape that it is, my question is, is Generac a great buy? Yes, it is.
3: Generac is a play on the weakness of our our total grid. And we know our grid is weak. Okay, so that's the one you want to buy. If you agree with me and I was with some people the other day who are actually trying to reinvent the grid, it ain't going that well. Generac's the way to go. Alright, now these names right here, this is what you should be buying if you want to get involved and feel this rotation has staying power because they're not expensive stocks. I recommend buying the stocks of these companies if they come down, because they are forgotten stocks with unforgettably positive stories. Each one reported a great order. Oh man, money tonight, Traeger hit the market earlier this year hoping to smoke the competition, but after sinking the last couple of months, put the stock begin to cook up some gains, Thanksgiving's a big holiday for them. I'm checking in with the CEO. And last week, we stopped by NVIDIA's headquarters in Santa Clara, California. And there's much more to my exclusive with CEO Jensen Wong. And you've been asking for more, so you don't want to miss this. And Zebra Technologies, there's a stock that has soared this year. So could this zebra continue to retain its stripes going into the new year? I'm talking to the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer.
0: Visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
3: This market has got zero patience for companies that are struggling to pass on a higher cost to the consumer. Take Traeger, the maker of high-tech wood pellet grills that came public in July. Now, last week, this company reported, while its sales once again came in better than expected, the earnings were indeed weighed down by significant year-over-year margin compression. In response, the stock sold off hard, falling from just under 19 to $14 in a matter of days. It's now down more than 50% from its August highs, not an unusual feature of the companies that have come public this year. Now, I recommended uh, Traeger at a much higher level. Clearly, we were too early, but I still think there's a lot to like here if they can sort out these margin problems. So, let's take a closer look with Jeremy Andrews. He's the chairman and CEO of Traeger. We'll learn more about the quarter where his company's headed, Mr. Andrews. Welcome, to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Okay, so I want to step aside from the day to day business of the stock and just ask you: Can you please tell us the appeal? of wood pellet grilling versus what many of us might be using on Thanksgiving.
7: Yeah, look, I'd love to. First of all, uh, there's nothing better than a meal cooked with all natural hardwood. And historically, it's been very hard to do. I mean, man's been cooking on wood for thousands of years, but you have to light a fire. You've got to tend to it, monitor, monitor temperature. Traeger makes cooking with wood easy and simple. I mean, so it's really as simple as this. And I remember the first time I heard about Traeger, I I went to Oregon, I sat down with with, with a dozen Traeger consumers and I said, tell me about your experience with Traeger. And the response was my Traeger changed my life. And I said, what? Put my pencil down, tell me more about that. And I've heard words like that hundreds and hundreds of times, it really boils down to this. Turn your grill on, set it to a temperature, it holds temperature consistently. It's a convection cook. And the results that you have are different. Your food tastes better. And it tastes better every single time. Whether I'm slow cooking a brisket. I'm, I'm cooking on high. I'm, I'm, I'm grilling chicken. Uh, I'm reverse searing a steak. I'm baking cornbread. Every time I cook. And I was not a cook before Traeger. And everyone who has eaten my food will say I'm good. And Traeger brings that. Not only that consistency, but that joy to home cooking.
3: All right. So now we have to deal with the idea that while the sales were terrific, you do have these margin problems, including, yes, getting uh, grills from China. And you did double down on China with another factory. In retrospect, would it have been better just to make things in America?
7: Yeah, look, I mean, the the, the reality is that it's painful right now. Uh, in supply chains all, the, all over the world for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that, that has hit us particularly hard is the cost of transportation. Uh, bringing a 40-foot container from, from Asia to the U.S. 12 months goes about $1,500. Today you're spending upwards of $30,000, and we're certainly averaging close to $10,000. So our inventory is big and heavy. It takes up a lot of container space, and so we are particularly sensitive to transportation costs. As it pertains to, you know, uh, production here, um, sort of nearshoring, no question, there is an opportunity for us in the long term. We're getting ready to open a facility in Mexico uh, next year, and we think there's an opportunity to build product in the U.S. as well. And so, uh, look, we're sensitive to a near-term shift. The world will right-size itself in terms of these costs. And we will see uh, some significant flow through to the bottom line. But, but, but right now, we are driving the brand. We are thinking about the engine, the brand health. That's what lasts long term. And we're navigating a tricky environment from an operations perspective.
3: All right. So, Jeremy, you have got some new things. You've got uh, the meter acquisition. Then you've got Traeger provisions, of which we are, you're kind enough to send us some of the provisions. Tell us about that and what these things mean for what is basically a lifetime value of a Traeger customer.
7: Yeah, look, like I have to step back and say that uh, our brand promise is to bring people together to create a more flavorful world. That is about richer culinary experiences. It's cooking in your home. It's bonding around great food. And so Traeger provisions fit very well into this strategy. I'm sorry, Meter provisions. So let me start with Meter. Meter, meter's a, it's a wonderful product. Uh, we, we partnered with them originally on a product integration. And then we acquired the company because we fell in love with the product and the team. It is simply a wireless meat probe that communicates with the cloud to your device. And they will tell me what, what is the temperature of my steak? How do I make sure that I get a perfect medium rare? When is my steak going to be ready? Is it in three minutes or 11 minutes? So it's a, it's, it's a fantastic product. It makes cooking better and easier. Uh, provisions is interesting. I, will, I, I can't tell you how many times a new trader owner has texted me and said, where can I get a great brisket? Uh, what kind of steaks do you like to buy? Where do you find premium cuts of protein? And so in an effort to listen to our consumers and to create a better cooking experience, we came up with this provisions concept and really driven by what our consumers are looking for. It is, uh, it, it, it's a full meal,
3: mm-hmm.
7: uh, specially sourced proteins, like very thoughtfully sourced proteins, Chef-driven sides, everything you need to cook, not just the recipe content, but the, um, the butcher paper to wrap, to wrap your brisket in. Whatever you need, it comes frozen to your doorstep. And then we think this is a phenomenal opportunity. We've been testing it for four or five months, and incidentally, we've been selling it. And the response has been over-the-top positive. All
3: right, but let, let me ask you one, one of this questions. Uh, there are a lot of people who feel like that Traeger was one of these companies that did well during COVID. And then as the world opens up and go back to restaurants, we don't need our Traeger as much. Is that an incorrect assumption?
7: Listen, I can never go to a steakhouse again because nobody makes a better steak than That's- what I make on my Traeger. And, I, you know, Jim, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting question. Let me start by saying that between 2015 in 2019, Traeger grew top line at a 30% kicker. So the pandemic was the pandemic was nothing new to our business from from in terms of driving sales growth. It did accelerate some sales growth, but it's been very clear in the research that we've done and the conversations that we've had with Americans who don't own Traegers, as well as those who do, that this this is sticky. Home cooking is sticking sticky behavior. In fact, 35% of Americans said they found a new passion in home cooking during the pandemic. 71% said that they plan to cook as much, if not more, mm-hmm. post-pandemic. And if you just look at year-to-date uh, in grilling, grillers are grilling 97% as much, if not more, than last oh. year. So there, there's no question there was a home cooking trend. We benefited and it is an accelerant, not a bump to our business. All right.
3: Well, let, let's leave it at that. You know, I like the stock. Uh, I love the product. And maybe the product will trigger the stock to go back to where it was and not higher. Jeremy Andrews, CEO of Traeger. C-O-O-K is the symbol. Thank you, Jeremy. Good to see you again. Have a good holiday. Nice to see
7: you. Take care. Thank you.
3: Everybody's back for the break.
5: Coming up. What's the secret to this company's success? Kramer talks tech with NVIDIA's visionary CEO. Next.
2: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
3: Last week, we got a chance to visit NVIDIA's headquarters. Speak to the company's Renaissance Man founder and CEO, Jensen Wong. But we didn't have enough time to air the whole discussion on Friday, and I know you can't get enough NVIDIA. Now it's time for the rest, where we talked about the Omniverse and NVIDIA's artificial intelligence technology. Take a look. People ask me, what is the secret of this great company? And I tell them, things that you think aren't possible, they think are possible.
4: And that's how it's worked. Now, the secret of this company, of course, is its people, And we've created the greatest invention of NVIDIA is NVIDIA. This company that creates the conditions for the brightest minds in computer science to come here to do their life's work. That's the secret sauce of our company. It goes home every night. We hope it comes back in the morning. And, uh, uh, and that's it, you know, it's, it's a people's business. You tackle problems that people don't realize are problems. You're creating
3: something that people didn't think could be created. I've seen the future, it's about taking mathematics and making it into wondrous
4: things. Well, we are here to make a unique contribution to the world. And our superpower is our imagination, and our intelligence. And we've got to put that superpower to work. Our our employees are we're just so fortunate to have created a condition, an environment where people love to dream and they dream about the future. They dream about future things that are possible. They dream about things that need to be solved and how it might be solved. And they they dream of us solving it. You have to imagine yourself making that contribution. And that requires ambition and confidence and courage and and you know that's that's the thing that's really fantastic about this company i'm surrounded by people like that they're imaginative and they're amazingly smart but in the end you are a teacher you have taught people that things obey the laws of physics that we didn't know obey the laws of physics mother nature well mother nature does obey the laws of physics human nature doesn't so much but mother nature does and the, the complexity of mother nature of course is that it's a multi-physics problem, it is a multi-scale physics problem, and everything affects each other. It's what's called coupling. And so the mathematics of it is insanely complicated. And And if there is a computer engine that is behind Mother Nature's physics, it is clearly galactic scale. And so, so we, we, um, uh, we're fortunate to live in a generation where we now have the ability, through the combination of three ingredients, Accelerated computing that NVIDIA discovered and, and innovated, the ability to scale up accelerated computing up to an entire data center, and this new technology, this new capability in computer science called deep learning, the, the fusion of these three things for the very first time allow us to solve problems probably a million X what we could do yesterday. A million X. And so now, could you imagine if you had a car that was a million times faster or a plane that's a million times faster or anything that's a million times? Well, we are literally at a time now where within our grasp, we have a computer that's going to be a million times faster. So we're going to go use it to help deal with climate science.
3: Which brings me to the Omniverse. I'm not saying you created the Omniverse. I do think that you can power an Omniverse that can save the world from waste save the world from from danger save the world from injury create whole different what you talked about in your com school and then there's this industry that's going to be a bio it's a biotech injury that doesn't exist yet that's
4: but it's right. going to be and that's something that you know that we don't teach us how you know well we were talking about earlier that it starts with mother nature right so the question is how do we simulate nature how do we simulate nature well, it turns out it needs a lot of computational capability. Now we, we as I mentioned just a second ago, that, that we are within grasp of a million X, a million X. No time in the history that you and I have known each other, my 40 years of, of, of experience uh, wouldn't have said, it is now time that you get a million X. We're gonna get a million X. Well, what would we going to do with that? We're gonna create these virtual worlds. It's gonna be a virtual world of a factory, a virtual world of a plant, a virtual world of a farm, a virtual world of an entire city. And of course, we're gonna go build the virtual world of the entire planet for climate research. And so there are gonna be thousands, millions of these little virtual worlds, and these virtual worlds are all gonna be simulations. They're not video games, they're not pretend, they're simulations. And you could use these simulations as what you just said, a digital twin. The benefit of a digital twin is you could understand the problem more deeply. You could understand the cause, not just the effect. You could also understand, based on the inputs that you change and the improvements that you change, how it would affect the output. So we could optimize. Well, this is the, for instance, something that we've never been
3: able to do is solve the direction of the way fire goes. So we have we have firefighters who are killed by fire. We destroy millions of acres. You have you've mapped, you've mathematically mapped
4: it it is absolutely true that climate change has increased dramatically the number of wildfire conducive ideal days during the year dramatically and so so that's why we're having so many wildfires all over the world it kills off trees of course which is bad for 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 carbon extraction um it, it puts a lot of a lot of particles into the air which is which is bad for for, for the air Uh, There's all kinds of reasons why we want to stop wildfires. It destroys a lot of property, it it takes lives. The problem for us, uh, for firefighters, is how do you, from a fire that gets started no matter, there's all kinds of fires for different reasons, but once it gets started, how large is it going to go, how how broadly, how wide is it going to spread, and in what direction, and what happens when the wind condition changes? Well, we could create a digital twin of that forest. And that forest, we're going to have digital twins of every forest in, in the world, and whenever ha- whenever fire starts, uh, we'll be able to simulate based on the fire that, where it started and the conditions around the, the moisture in the air, the conditions of the wood, to try to simulate in what direction and what speed the fire is going to spread. We're partnering with Lockheed Martin to do this. Uh, they have just in- incredible uh, uh, field telemetry systems, um, they have expertise in, of course, helicopters, the, the network of helicopters, they, they have the ability to, to uh, work with us here to apply artificial intelligence, omniverse, to create a digital twin of forests, and hopefully we could simulate these wildfires. No,
3: the reason I wanted to go this way, rather than just say, wow, you blew away the numbers, congratulations, $500 million more, is that I don't think people realize that the reasons why, people say, why is, Jim, how could that be a $780 billion company? And I say, I know, why isn't it $10 trillion? because you're you're looking at 2040 we're looking at 2020 we're looking at at 2021 we're looking at the next quarter you're looking at the next 20 years these
4: are the reasons why this is happening at nvidia correct well we try to go solve problems that are incredibly hard to solve that has a great impact that has never been solved before why is that good business well it's not good business in the beginning no it's because it's because because you have to research Uh, it's not it's not good business all the time because we fail however However, there are many areas where we do succeed. For example, we are going to be successful deploying global fleets of autonomous vehicles. We're going to, of course, develop these vehicles in a digital universe we call Omniverse. Of course, we're going to teach these robotic cars how to drive in virtual cities. Uh, We're going to deploy it through a network of partners. Um, Our partner, Mercedes-Benz, as you know, builds millions of cars. A trillion dollar market. And, And together, it's a trillion dollar market. Uh, we could create we could deploy a fleet of cars that's safe efficient to operate and and it starts with some basic invention that's an example of something that works incredibly well and we're going to be very successful with that But the
3: the conundrum here is a moral one and a legal one uh this is what we've been taught a car's going down the street and it's got three people directly in front of it and it's got one to the right and it's an autonomous car and does it know which ones to basically kill
4: yeah that's the classic moral dilemma of of uh, of the reasons why you can't rely on uh, an autonomous system uh, to deal with these is- right. issues however it's falsely constructed it's wrongly constructed an artificial intelligence and robotic system has such incredible sensors it can perception so far into the distance it thinks so quickly it's never ever tired it's not surprised ever and therefore it doesn't have to deal with this it's not, going, it's, it's not going, it never gets there. It never gets
3: that but People dilemma. don't, see, a lot of times that goes back to what's possible. See, we don't think it's possible to make a lifelike picture of a, uh, of a theater and see uh, a Shakespearean theater from 1580 and feel like that we're in the seats.
4: You don't, to you, that's child's play, isn't it? We're going to reconstruct all of that in the metaverse. We're going to use Omniverse as the engine to simulate all that. And this way you could time travel. You and I both want to time travel. I very much want to time travel. Yeah, exactly. We want to time travel. We can time travel now.
3: Can I paint with Cezanne?
4: You could paint with Cezanne. Uh, You could paint with Picasso. You could paint with Van Gogh. You could paint with Monet. You could decide what style you want to paint based on. This is the omniverse. This is the omniverse. It's not surfing with someone. You know, omniverse Omniverse, uh, has the ability to, of course, connect people. Right. Which is um, good because we like people. Right. People, there are many <laughs> millions
3: of people who are lonely who need to be connected. That's
4: right. It could connect robots to people, as I mentioned. And can robots do a good job? So self-driving cars, and we could teach it how to do a good job, <laughs> and and, and uh, it's called reinforcement learning. <laughs> uh, we could we could uh, teach a uh, painter how to paint Monet, not Picasso, with contrastive learning. Uh, we could we could um, uh, we could uh, orchestrate a whole bunch of robots that are in the physical world but they're trained in the virtual world. We can orchestrate a whole bunch of robots in the virtual world. it's not
3: we can, it's you can. See, Mm -hmm. that's the difference. The reason why your company is 780 billion is is you and your team can, we can't. Because we can't think like you. We can't. We want you badly. And we're hoping one day you'll teach us. But instead, what we do is we buy products that are powered by Intensumon, founder and CEO.
5: Thank you so much. Coming up, with retail and shipping in full holiday swing, should home gamers heed the hoofbeats of Zebra Technologies? Kramer's got the CEO next.
3: You works in the middle of a supply chain crisis? Any company that helps businesses manage logistics. Ah. Companies like Kramer Fave Zebra Technologies. That's an enterprise asset intelligence play that helps its clients keep track of their employees, equipment, inventory, data, medical supplies, everything. When Zebra reported earlier this month, they shot the lights out because of there's an insatiable demand for the products. No wonder the stock's flirting once again with all-time highs here. Earlier, we caught up with Anders Gustafsson. He is the CEO of Zebra Technologies at the NASDAQ, where the company is set to celebrate the 30th anniversary of its IPO by ringing the closing bell. Take a look. Anders, you've had incredible results, amazing organic growth. Obviously, you're doing something for the customer that is amazing. Tell me what are the solutions you're offering to customers?
1: Well, we, we've had uh, a, great, a great run, you know, a strong growth, have you know, 23% organic growth, 37% growth in, in Q3. We, what we do for our customers say, really starts with helping them to digitize and automate their operations yeah. um, in all four sor- sorts of ways, but, but particularly around how to enable their frontline workers, how we empower the frontline workers. So if you look at in retail, uh, somebody who's working in a store, uh, healthcare nurse, uh, mm-hmm. uh, delivery, delivery driver for a, uh, for a parcel company or something like that. So, we provide a variety of solutions around those, around a, a framework we call Sense Analyze Act. So, we help to sense what's happening in the physical world by reading a barcode or, or a RFID mm-hmm. tag. We analyze that data and we enable our customers to act on that data in real time.
3: Well, that would seem to be one of the reasons why you could be a solution to the congestion that we have out west for retailers.
1: Yeah, retail is our largest vertical market, and uh, w- w- our solutions are widely deployed. And you can see with with you know brick and mortar retailers going into more of an omni-channel strategy, right. and being able to enable them to do buy online, pick up at stores, as an example. Our solutions are, are essential for that type of those types of use cases. So
3: let's say uh, Target, which is a, 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 we are huge fans of yeah. Target, uh, shipped the, their system probably has a lot to do with with Zebra.
1: Yeah, so we, we work with Target across a number of different solutions. They have, I think, cl- close to 100 applications running yeah. on our mobile computers. Uh, so anything from you know, customer-facing applications to replenishment, uh, you know, a whole raft of things, and, and as well as our printers and other, other things.
3: Now, uh, is that the kind of thing that this fetch acquisition makes better? I thought this was a brilliant acquisition, <laughs>
1: Anders. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, we're very excited about the fetch acquisition. So fetch is in that automa- uh, Automatic mobile robot, uh, and you know they can do, perform a number of different tasks in manufacturing and in warehouses. Uh, conveyance uh, solutions around moving, you know, uh, working process uh, inventory between different stations in a in a in a manufacturing position to each picking in a in a e-commerce delivery position, right? And uh, uh, we think that you know how we are different from uh, than a, a traditional mobile ro- robot manufacturers that we are not looking to only op- optimize the movement of the robot. We're looking to optimize the, f- the entire workflow. So the, when, when a robot is sent out with a, for, an, for an action, for a dispatch with an action to pick up or the, 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 this, dispatch of, a, of, of some goods, we also can notify a, a frontline worker to intercept the robot and help to execute that task.
3: No, when I hear that, I think, well, uh, do we need
1: uh, uh, humans? Okay. Are
3: we all better off with robots? This is yeah. something we learned last week when we were out in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Robots don't get tired. Yeah. They, they, they don't drink. They, they are a steady hand. I mean, it seems like that in some ways they do a better job.
1: Yeah, so I think today uh, we, we see it as a, it's an evolution, right? We, okay. We've always been part of trying to uh, provide, you know, enable our frontline employees to be more efficient, to drive greater productivity. Right started off by providing a mobile computer or scanner to, to them. But, you know, today with the mobile robot, you can now, you know, offload a lot of the walking time they have. So if you look at somebody who works in a the warehouse, they routinely will walk six to eight miles right. a day. And with robots, they can walk, walk, walk much less. So it takes away a lot of this. Well, that's kind of a kind of wasted. Yeah. It's limited. I think yeah, so great. This is much more efficient. But now, you still need the worker to do certain true. tasks. Okay.
3: Now, when we first start talking about healthcare,
1: yeah. it was something you wanted to be, Begin, yep. but now you are a dominant force. How did that happen? Yeah, we were very early in getting into healthcare in, in, in our space, but, but the the catalyst for this was around the medical health records. When you now had, you know, doctors used to have a Manila folder with hand scribbled notes on it. Right. right? Now they have a, an electronic record where you can append or or or, or uh, get data from it. So, and we help with collaborations. So if you're a nurse in a in a ER, say you can quickly and easily call for. You know, other coworker to you know uh, to to go co- to go see a, a patient, or you can you can scan a, a medication to make sure the right patients get the right well, medication. Well, that would be a
3: big cut back on uh, malpractice, which has yes. been the rage in this country. This must eliminate many of the
1: errors. Absolutely. Your medical errors is actually one of the leading causes of death in right. hospitals. And uh, uh, healthcare providers that use our solutions actually have a lower health care premium, insurance premium. Right. Now, let me ask you, I know that this is just uh, uh, a
3: housekeeping issue for you, but a lot of... Investors who watch our show say, you know what, I want to buy that stock, but it's a $500 stock. Should I tell them to buy uh, slivers of it at the broker? What do you suggest? Or if you split the stock, I know it doesn't mean much to you, but we have a lot of viewers who love you and love what you do, but they would never buy the stock because it's $500.
1: Yeah, so we certainly, you know, in, in very much enjoy the the the, the that our, our that investors like our sure. our our solutions, our st- stuff, and our shares. And we we are very excited about the business. We're as confident about our business today as we've ever been i'd say and these trends around uh, uh, digitization and automation are i think strong secular trends they are across all our verticals all, right. all our our regions and we've also in the last couple of years expanded into some new exciting growth areas you mentioned you know the fetch robotics around right. the, or the, uh, mobile rad- uh, r- robots um we've gone into more of a software as a service solutions right. Uh, we've entered into machine vision, fixed industrial scanning, uh, and we have a, a cloud-connected printing solution for s- small office, home office well, uh, as well. So You're an
3: ideal stock for our, our <laughs> uh, say, the youngest yeah. people in the audience, too, because this is going to go on for a very, very long time. Anders Gustafson, CEO of Zebra Technologies. We first met you when the stock was probably about a tenth of where it is now, and I yeah. still think it's just a great, great stock. Thank you so much for coming on me, buddy. Thank you.
5: Coming up, a storm is coming, so give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next.
3: So are you ready to keep that down the line? Because like, let Monte in Florida, Monte.
5: Mr. Kramer, thank you very much for what you do. From one retired educator to another, I thank you for everything you've done. I appreciate it all, as I'm sure.
3: I have a quick question for you. I bought a stock called Umbrella years ago, symbol AMBA, and all of a sudden in uh, September, I noticed it's starting to move, and all of a sudden, it shot
5: up from 125 to approximately right. 190. I'm curious whether I should add I to my that you position. I think you
3: sell half right here. I mean, you got I, look. Honestly, there's some luck involved here. Because the stuff that they do, I think, is a little more commodity-oriented than a lot of people believe. Let's go to Tim in Washington. Tim.
7: Hey, thanks for taking my call. First of all, the Eagles sure did look good this weekend.
3: They look good. Uh, Secondly, secondly, Kanoa Health. It was down 8% today. Can you believe that stock? It's down like 30%. It's got very good management. It's not expensive. I actually think you should buy a little more. How about Jeff in California? Jeff. Booyah from California. Booyah. I'm in the investing
7: club, so I already own Eli Lilly, and I read your excellent email on adding more. Thank you. My my stock is a vaccine maker that sold off this fall, but it's now moving higher on boosters for everybody. How about adding more to Lilly and... By MRNA, Moderna. I would
3: add more to Lily because that's a play on the idea that Alzheimer's, they've got something. Moderna is very hard, but it's just a hold here. Got to go back to where it was. And that, legend. and the lightning round!
5: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, has big business become immune to periodic COVID scares? Kramer digs deep into the market's tendency to just move on. Next.
3: we got to stop freaking out about the stock market every time there's another big COVID outbreak. Every time there's a surge in infections that shuts down things somewhere, whether we're talking Austria or Australia or Malaysia or Vietnam, lots of people immediately sell stocks. But sooner or later, new infections peak and the shutdowns come to an end. Now, I see differing views on work rules here in America. Mostly it's partisan. but, But unlike nearly every other developed country, we have state governors who are actively fighting the vaccination process, which will absolutely lead to more outbreaks. We still have plenty of Americans who won't go to work in person because they're worried about COVID, although they're much more willing to go out and have fun outside. (laughs) Again, though, things will move on. They don't want to go to work, but they want to play. All right. Yet Wall Street still gets panicked every time there's a new outbreak. That's why our stock market sold off so hard last week when Austria went into lockdown. You know, there's more fear of a lockdown contagion than a COVID contagion. To me, this is insane. Why the heck would our economy get hit just because of some non-vaccinated holdouts in the Austrian highlands? I'll tell you why. I think American investors are easier to spook because the U.S. healthcare apparatus has been so unreliable. I don't know what the heck is wrong with the FDA and the CDC, but they're repeatedly dragged their feet for reasons that totally escape me, and I bet you they escape you too. For example, we've known for a long time that you need a booster vaccine because the initial pair of doses starts to lose efficacy after six months. Well documented. And that was obvious to President Biden. He was saying we should get booster shots in late summer. Yet the FDA took forever to approve booster shots. We only got full authorization for healthy adults last week. The lack of urgency drives me insane. We're still seeing more than 1,000 COVID casualties per day, so there's no justification for slow rolling of booster shots. Of course, it's not as bad as the CDC's treatment of masks last year. When the virus first hit, most people assumed masks were good. Then they were told that masks were unnecessary. Then masks became good again. I think that's a huge reason there's been so much resistance to mask mandates. Which leads me to the ultimate reason why we can't seem to get rid of the fear of every outbreak all over the world. Fear that causes repeated selling in the travel and leisure stocks. Not to mention the financials, because when bond yields go down, there are tons of computer generated programs that automatically sell the bank stocks. Now, that could finally quote a break today, Uh, but they are in the COVID conversation every single session. How can that still be the case? I think the reason is actually simple. Nobody is willing to come out. Come out here or any other show and argue that from an economic perspective, the worst of the pandemic is over. No one can do it because of what I call the YouTube effect. If you say it on air with any confidence and then we get another major outbreak or a lockdown anywhere on Earth, your turkey is cooked, which is a kind of a goose's cooked thing. But because of Thursday, obviously, I'm not saying that the pandemic's over from a public health perspective. I'm not. I'm not. We're averaging 90,000 new infections per day. But from a business perspective, I think we are over the hump. At the same time, judging by the endless parade of IPOs, there's another cohort in the market that has a voracious appetite for new stocks, at least before today's beatdown for all types of growth stocks. Investors keep lapping up these deals, probably the same firms that kept selling stocks every time there's a new another major outbreak. Why do they like them and not them? I won't go so far as to say that these outbreaks won't matter that much much anymore because so many people are vaccinated. The weather's finally turning cold. We're going indoors again. Kids are about to come home from college. It's all negative situations. We desperately need to get everybody to booster shots when people aren't sure. I think the sellers of the travel and leisure stocks are creating terrific buying opportunities because, in reality, life does go on. The big box stores got their inventory. Many of the smaller stores are no longer a because they actually got wiped out last year. It's either Etsy or established players. The planes are full again. Travel's insanely busy. Trust me. The only people who didn't get the memo are the sellers. I think they're making a big mistake. If you're dumping stocks because you're worried about a re-ignition of COVID, you're going to get left behind as this market grinds higher into year end. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise, you to, try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,